Welcome to My Empower Project with your host, Erin Rowe. We will discuss nutrition, fitness, becoming your own boss, and just becoming better every day. I invite you to join My Empower Project as we embark, embrace, encompass, and enlighten. Today you'll join Holly and I as we discuss her expertise, fitness, and health. Holly is also an author. Live to Get Lean is her book. She is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, the founder of Women's Strength Nation, and has contributed to magazines including Women's Health, Prevention, Self, Shape and Fitness, and is a regular contributor to BuzzFeed and LiveStrong.com. Let's get right into today's chat. Welcome to My Empower Project. Thanks for being here, Holly. Would you please tell me a little about yourself? Yes, I have a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition from the Pennsylvania State University, and I have been a women's fitness and nutrition coach for about 24 years. It might even be a little bit longer. I'm a little nervous to add up the years, but for a really, really long time. The bulk of my career... About 17 of the past 24 years, I was a one-on-one personal trainer day in and day out for all of those years, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And then about five years ago, I got to the point where I just really wanted to change the way that I operated in the fitness industry. And I really got very fortunate in that a book deal landed in my lap and I got the opportunity to author a book with Women's Health Magazine. That book is called Lift to Get Lean. And it is what I like to call a strength training Bible for women. And I really wanted to create a handbook for women for strength training in the gym because I have found that a lot of women still just are a little confused on effective strength training. And so that has become my entire brand. My whole brand is about helping women to feel empowered inside and out through the practice of strength training. I love that. And then did you get a chance to work with celebrities? How did that come about? Yeah, I have a long history of celebrities. And when I graduated from college, my university really was pushing us down the path of a medical future. And so we were really trained and armed to go into hospitals and work cardiac rehabilitation. So my first job out of college was at a hospital in Michigan that was one of the top hospitals for cardiac rehabilitation and all heart-related issues and surgeries and diseases and everything. And so my first year out of college, I actually got to work with heart transplant victims and um, all kinds of people in the medical environment, but I really didn't like working in a hospital. So I got this incredible opportunity to go to New York City and become a personal trainer at La Palestra Center for Preventative Medicine. And it's an institution that still is highly regarded in New York City. And it really was hub for celebrity fitness. So I started my career there and I trained, you know, just about every celebrity you can possibly imagine. And that's really what kicked off my career as a personal trainer. And so over the years, dating back to then and more currently, I've worked with Howard Stern, Julia Roberts, Adrian Grenier is still a dear close friend and client, Carly Kloss. Let's see who else. I mean, just there's, there've been so many people over the years, honestly, a presidential candidate. I'm working with one of the Real Housewives 
from New York. I mean, the celebrities just kind of gone on and on and on and on. And it really stemmed back to working at La Palestra in New York City all those years ago. I like that you went from the cardiac rehab, noticed that you wanted something a little differently because that's how we find what we like, and then went into the prevention and then found what you enjoy. Yeah. And I was drawn to you because you share so much info without charging for free, and you're excellent at explaining new concepts around foods and to people that are new to the idea of nutrition and particularly tracking food. And I saw on some of your IG stories that you teach about macronutrients. And I hang my head when I see people that just aren't excited to track. We track how many people are coming to our parties, how many outfits we pack for vacation, our shoe collection, our miles before an oil change, and even like how many drinks we had last night. But knowing what sources of energy we put into our bodies are one mode of transportation so many him and haw about or mope and just don't want to do it. And I personally feel that tracking, it's not as time consuming and it eventually allows you to know so much by heart that you can truly change your health. How has tracking macros impacted your life and what would you tell a novice? My mantra is you don't know what you're doing until you know what you're doing. I recently started working with a client who is having some metabolic issues and we really need to get her nutrition dialed in. And we are consulting together to determine what our strategy is. I'm a huge fan of strategic and moderate carbohydrates. And there is also some medical research that does suggest the benefit of a ketogenic or low-carb approach to eating, right? Okay, yeah. But here's the deal. How do we know if you, Aaron, are currently eating high-carbohydrate, low-carbohydrate, ketogenic, low-carb? We don't know what you're currently doing until we start tracking. And I am across the board in the way that I coach all of my clients. I am a huge proponent of testing and knowing what the facts are. Because if we don't know the facts of what's going into your body and what's going on inside of your body, how can we actually create a strategy that brings about change? And so that's how I feel about tracking what you're eating. When you start to bring mindfulness to the foods that you're eating and you start looking at how many vegetables are you actually eating in a given day? How many whole grains are you actually eating in a given day? How much protein are you actually eating? If we don't know what you're doing, we don't know how to improve upon or fix the problems that you're having. There are a variety of strategies that we can apply to nutrition, but we got to kind of know what the problems are and we kind of have to drill down on a strategy to fix it. I'm a huge fan of bringing mindfulness to what you're eating by using some system of tracking so that we know, you know, well, the reason that you're feeling energy crashes in the afternoon is because you're not eating any carbohydrates all day. Or the reason why you feel sluggish in the morning is because you're eating too many carbohydrates at dinner. My background is, is I have a bachelor of science degree in exercise physiology. I am a scientist. We got to really look at what's going on inside of your body to really bring in a real strategy. Otherwise, we're just kind of guessing and, you know, throwing darts without really knowing exactly where we're aiming. If I'm really going to be able to help someone 
in terms of fixing some of the challenges that you might be having, it's really helpful to know what you're currently eating and then get strategic about how we're going to eat going forward. Just being the nerd and the scientist that I am, I find it easiest when you track. Now, you know, I know it does require a certain amount of bandwidth, but, you know, just to your point, as you said, all day long, we're tracking, we're keeping track of so many things in our daily life that it feels like it's one more thing to keep track of. I find that it's bandwidth well spent for most people. It is a great way for a short period of time to dedicate your mental bandwidth so that we can actually bring about change faster. I like that you mentioned it's a strategy. I guess that's the best way to put it. People often say diets aren't one size fits all, but what does that really mean? So what you said, creating a strategy, seeing where you begin because everyone's different. I like the way you put that. Yeah. And it really does come back around to what's your strategy going forward? And there has to be intention behind it. I think that really allows people to have confidence in knowing about where they're going in order to reach their goals. Yeah. So it's deeper than just my intent is to lose weight. It's an intent of what the strategy that we put in place is. Yeah. You know, and even, even with that, the reason why I, you know, and again, listen, quote unquote, eating according to macros is not a diet. And I think a lot of people in some ways they misunderstand what it is and they started to call it a diet. But the truth is you can be vegan and track your macros. If you're doing a ketogenic diet, you have to be tracking your macros. I can't tell you how many women call me every week and they tell me they've been ketogenic. And I say, tell me what you had to eat today. And when they report what they eat today, I can tell you absolutely without a doubt, that is not a ketogenic diet because a ketogenic diet has to be at least 60 to 70% fat. And so if you're not tracking you're not really even following the diet that you think you are. If you want to be following the science of a ketogenic diet, you have to track your macros to know if you're following a ketogenic diet or not. If you want to follow the zone diet, you have to be tracking your macros to know if you're getting 40% carbohydrates. Like I said, it's not a diet because I have clients who are paleo and they track macros. I have clients that are vegetarian and vegan and keto and track their macros. It's really a way of getting strategic about the fuel you're putting in your body so that you can accelerate your results. Because if you're able to kind of develop the skill, it really is just a language and a skill that becomes second nature. Once you develop it for a short period of time, it's really like an experiment for a few weeks. In as little as three to four weeks, you'll adopt the language and you won't have to track anymore. But you do have to kind of learn, well, what does three ounces of chicken look like? And am I actually eating three ounces of chicken? And what do I need to pair that with to make sure that I am hitting the macros that I want to be hitting to reach my goal, whether it's weight loss or not? You know, because these days, not everybody wants to lose weight. I'm looking at it differently now because a lot of times we try to categorize food, especially people new to keto. They just try to eat all the cheese and whatever they think they're fat. But like you said, what's the amount and what's the amount of the other energy sources that you're getting? Yeah, because you know, that's a great example. Cheese is not ketogenic. Cheese has a substantial amount of protein and carbs in it, you know? And so I think people think that ketogenic eating means they just get to eat bacon all day. But the problem with that is ketogenic is predominantly fat, not protein. Your protein is actually as little as 10 to 15%. And so people think, ooh, I get to eat a steak every night on ketogenic. That's not ketogenic. It's not. 
And so if you're truly going to follow the science of ketogenic eating, you better get educated and you better be looking at how much percentage of fat are you actually eating? Because if you're eating less than 60% fat, you're not going to get the benefits of a ketogenic diet. So don't do it because now all you're doing is just a low carb diet and you're going to become acidic and have digestive issues. I certainly understand. I have a lot of women call me that have a history of disordered eating and they find that using an app to track their food can increase the sort of crazy making frenzy in their mind that triggers disordered eating. And that's legit and real. I also think there are ways to kind of work around that so that you can get the best of both worlds. The thing that I love the most about eating according to macros is this. Let's say we decide for your goals. So let me ask you, Erin, like in your in the domain of wellness and fitness and nutrition, what are your what are some of your personal goals right now? I personally want to be able to cycle carb cycling. So but ultimately, what's your goal? Better performance? My goal is just to maintain right now, put on some muscle since I've slacked a little bit, but my food pretty much stays the same. I just need to add in the movement again. <laughs> Add movement back in. Okay, so you know, you're a little bit different because your goals really are just continuing with what you're doing, right? So, but ultimately, what I would do is I would say, you know, what is our exact goal in terms of your performance and your energy needs? And then we would decide how many carbohydrates do you need or what is the strategy that we want for how you're eating, right? So if we decide, let's say you wanted to, you decide that carb cycling is your strategy. You have to know how to carb cycle. It doesn't mean you can just eat a bunch of pasta tonight and then a bagel and a sweet potato because it's all relative as a percentage to your total number of calories per day. So the thing is for you as a cyclist, first we need to determine how many calories, how much fuel do you need? Okay, period. We got to figure that out because if you're not getting enough fuel, you're not going to add the muscle that you want to be adding. You're also not going to be fueled for your workouts, which means you're going to become catabolic and you're going to be exhausted and you're not going to recover well. So first and foremost, we got to determine how many calories, how much fuel do you need approximately in a day? And then if our strategy is we want to learn carb cycling, well, the name implies exactly what the strategy is. Well, if we're going to carb cycle, that means you've got some days of high carbs, some days of moderate carbs, and some days of low carbs. How are you going to know you're doing that if you're not tracking? You're just taking a guess at it thinking, oh, well, I ate more carbs on Monday, so that was a high carb day. And then I didn't eat any carbs on Tuesday, so that must have been a low carb day. But you actually don't know because it's all relative to how much protein and how much fat you're eating. It's relative. And so, you know, the whole thing is the beauty of macros is it gives you the flexibility of, let's say, if we decide you're going to carb cycle on Mondays. And that means Monday is a high carb day because it coincides with a leg workout to help you put some muscle on, right? Monday is a high volume, high strength workout, high fuel day, and we're going to go high carbs. I'm going to say to you, you get to eat 60% carbs today. The beauty of eating according to macros is you get to decide what carbs you want and what you don't want. And so I feel like that's where you get the freedom and the flexibility and the intuition around eating what you want. If you want to eat um, pasta as your carb, you get to do that. If you want to eat sweet potatoes as your carb, you get to do that. If you want to eat Smarties, you could do that. 
And that's where you get the freedom because it gives you some boundaries on how to eat. And within those boundaries, you get to have the freedom to decide how you want to eat that day. Does that make sense? Yes. And you mentioned mindfulness earlier. And I think a lot of people focus so much on restriction, but they have a world of options. It just has to fit within that boundary to reach the goal. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's true. People think, oh, well, if I'm following a diet, I can't eat X, Y, or Z. But the truth is, if you have a strategy, Let's create a list of all the foods you can eat. Because the truth is, here's the thing. Again, this is why I'm such a proponent of eating according to macros. If you get to eat 40% carbs today, you can eat whatever carbs you want in some regards. In some regards, it doesn't matter what carbs you're eating. I don't want you eating Smarties or Skittles. But you could if you wanted to. And if that feels good for your brain, if that feels good for your food freedom to eat Skittles, you can do it and you're still going to get awesome results. I always want people eating high nutrition foods. I would much rather you eat sweet potato than Skittles. But if you struggle with restricted eating and if your soul wants some Skittles at the movies, you can do it. And you can do it and still feel amazing for your ride tomorrow. And not feel like you're going to just give up entirely because you had those skills at the movies. Exactly. So you had a retreat and you had women come to you. And one of my goals in my five-year plan is to hold retreats. What was that experience like hosting in person with women and teaching them this temporary tracking strategy? It's so great. So, you know, it's interesting. I used to think that I wanted to lead a retreat and hold retreats so that I could teach women things, okay? But the truth is there's so limited time in a retreat <laughs> that the real teaching happens all year long. Learning is a lifelong experience. And so what I found was these retreat weekends go by so quickly that the real value is getting to connect in person with the women that come to my retreats. It's the value that weekend was I had seven women join me in Los Angeles for a very high level mastermind retreat that I offer every year called The Next Level. And this was the first time that we did it. And The Next Level is actually a four-month coaching program. So I can teach them over a course of four months. And then we get this weekend retreat. So during the retreat, we have sessions and seminars and learning sessions. We spend about four hours in the gym and I will definitely teach things. But the bigger value is I get to spend time with you in person and we get to hang out. And that I think is the real appeal for a lot of participants that are going to come to your retreat. They want to be with you. They want to spend time with you. And so it was really fun getting to work with people and have that like human to human contact. And we definitely learned so much, but I think, you know, the time is just so limited that it's like, I know the next time I do it, I want it to be even more hyper-focused. I think I would say if I were to pull my participants of my last retreat, I think they would say the biggest value was the time that we spent in the gym which is my narrowed focus niche of expertise. 
People come to me for strength training advice and guidance and how to. Part of me almost feels like my next retreat should just be an entire weekend in the gym. <laughs> you know, it was really fun and super successful, and I'm excited about next year's retreat. That was eye opening because what you said, I want to just help people, but the connection probably does go a long way because if the time flies, like you said, I didn't consider that. Just the weekend goes by so fast; it's really crazy. You really want to make sure that time is as well spent as possible. We haven't met in person, but I feel like we see a lot of things along the same lines. I do not have a degree in the field you do, but I do think that lifting weights is just essential for any goal of any age, any lifestyle, or any experience level. And Mm -hmm. I bring this up because I want to hear more about your book, Lift to Get Lean, because I know that you have women lifting. So much more medical research is coming out every single year where it just really underscores the critical importance for everyone, men and women, to be strong training, even more so for women because of the hormonal implications. It is so absolutely critical to your health, your wellness, definitely your fitness, definitely your waistline, your risk of future disease is so impacted by strength training. I can't wait until some very important medical doctor goes on record and says that you know it's absolutely critical that every single woman is strength training because we know that's the truth, right? But I think you know because it's not a medicine, the medical world doesn't necessarily always really put the weight on strength training that they could, but the research shows that it's just absolutely critical. So my whole mission and platform is to energize women to spend more time strength training and then give them the tools to know how to do it effectively. You know, I just, I don't know how I was so lucky to get to write a book on strength training, but I did. And so about four years ago, I worked with Women's Health Magazine and we created Lift to Get Lean. And it really is a handbook on why strength training is important, how to do it. It includes four really amazing strength training programs that still to this day I use with my clients and I coach people on. And it just really walks you step-by-step through a gym-based strength training workout program. And then online, I've got resources to help women to translate those workouts into home-based workouts, but it's a really incredible book. So that offers both home and gym workouts, and you're also giving the benefits of lifting. I really like that you gave both options. I have found that a lot of the clients I worked with in the past, they fall in and out of like yo-yoing, not their diet, but even their their weightlifting or their program. I have competed in fitness shows in the past. I did bikini and I've kept in touch with some of the women that I met backstage. And when we catch up, we all tend to find the same thing hard for us. We can't find a middle ground. And I think it's because we knew the extreme training formats that we used to prepare for stage. And luckily I learned a lot before jumping into that world. So I do know what a balanced life looks like, but for clients who don't have a passion like you or I, but they are committed to healthy living as their goal. How do you help somebody find a middle ground to continue after their X number of week program is done? We're talking about two different things here. The example of you as the bikini competitor or other competitors, right? you really do kind of fall into the year-long cycle like an athlete does. And so in that extreme example, you really need an in-season, an off-season, and a pre-season. But the normal average gal, that's not the case, right? Because it's not so extreme. But when we're looking at the demands of getting ready for a bikini competition, 
after that competition, you need an off season. You biologically need an off season. And then you go back into your preseason. But the normal average gal who isn't that extreme in season really just needs more of the larger macro cycle, a year long cycle that does kind of ebb and flow and go through cycles. And so what I say to people is number one, you have to really identify ultimately what is your goal. It's good to tie it to a timeline. So let's say I want to lose 10 pounds in 12 weeks. That's really great to have that goal. But you might not lose the 10 pounds in 12 weeks, and therefore, there needs to be a game plan for after that. If you do lose the 10 pounds in the 12 weeks, does that mean that you're just done and you're going to give up? Was that all the fitness was to you? Or are you interested in staying active for life? Because ultimately, if your only goal is to lose 10 pounds and be done with it and not exercise again, then that's a different scenario. But I find most people, what they really want is they do want a lifetime of fitness and their journey is longer than that. And so what I do with my clients and the people in my community and specifically in my coaching program, The Comeback, which is a lifetime enrollment, I coach people to go through cycles and training plans. And so specifically in the comeback, we do a 12-week training program phase. At the end of that 12 weeks, you go into a de-loading recovery phase for three to six weeks, and then you go back into an active training phase. And as soon as you start to approach it that way, you've got a strategy that also gives you the cycles that we do need. And I think that's something that's overlooked for a lot of women is they think that they're going to get into shape and be on 365 days a year, but you won't. You actually do need to have cycles where you're in it and then you take a little bit of a break and then you're in it and then you take a down cycle. And if you just build that into your year-long programming, your odds of success are are substantially higher. So I guess the only comparison really between the competitors and everyday women is it's a cycle either way. Exactly. It's just a question of how extreme the cycle is, right? And so the more extreme your training is, the more extreme your recovery has to be. People go to the gym, but never change. They literally just tread water, making no true results. And food aside, you can work out effectively or not effectively. And this is what I see 80% of the time in the gym. And I'm speaking about form. I feel strongly about the idea that your movement should have full focus. No gum chewing, which I see, no talking. Yeah. You see it even on cardio machines. The result of your physique in turn leads to the result of your total body health because, you know, more muscle leads to better bones, metabolism, and more. Can you help me further emphasize, if you agree, that form plays a crucial role, as boring as it might be to learn, that form is everything? Form is everything. And in my book, Lift to Get Lean, I share three steps to getting strong. And rule number one is technique trumps everything. And it really does. Because here's the deal. If you don't use good technique. Let's say you're performing a leg press. The point of a leg press is to load certain muscles, your quads, your hamstrings, and your glutes in certain proportions. If you are performing that movement incorrectly, you're not going to be loading the intended muscles. So you're not going to get the intended benefits. So if you don't have good technique, in some ways, don't even bother doing the exercise because you're not going to be stimulating the muscles to the degree and the way that we're intending for the exercise. Technique is 
everything, especially if you want your body to look a certain way. I like to use the example of that woman or man that you see at the gym that is definitely in shape, but their body is kind of oddly shaped, right? Like, can you, can you kind of conjure that image up in your mind? Like the guy at the gym who's in great shape, but like, you know, his arms, like his biceps are overdeveloped. He doesn't have any shoulders. His chest has like a weird shape to it. Those are the people that they're working hard, but they're not using good technique. And what happens is you don't end up developing the muscles the way that God intended. And so you don't end up looking as good as you could. And I think part of why people exercise is because they do want their body to look fantastic in a similar manner. Also imagine that like fitness model whose body is just gorgeous. Like her shoulders are rounded, her biceps are balanced by her triceps, right? Her quadriceps aren't overpowering her hamstrings. That balance on a visual aesthetic level is all based on technique. And so if you're exercising and performing boot camp classes or strength training because you want to have that like beautiful athletic physique, you gotta be doing it with right technique. Otherwise, other muscles are going to develop that aren't the muscles that you're intending. Does that make sense? Yeah, symmetry is ultimately what makes the package look good. Yep. And I think that comes into play with your mind. Truly, I put on my headphones and I focus on the muscle that is contracting, making sure another muscle isn't taking over. And that's why I know a lot of people go to the gym for their social hour, but form, it just really is everything. So I'm glad that you... That it's you everything. And again, going along with the mindset, I read an article that I liked. It, it was called that you wrote Harnessing the Power to Say No. Yes. I had a short video about it within the article. I really enjoyed that because I talk a lot on planning, which reduces stress and then helps your personal growth and your peaceful mind. So saying no, it can alter the tipping point of leading down a destructive path with excuses or success. What importance does the mind have in someone looking to create a new lifestyle and get in better shape? There's something so important about being all yes in everything that we do because it tells our brain the direction of where we're going. And the nature of human and the human brain is that we don't like change. We really don't. So if you are 30, 40, or 50 pounds overweight, you and your doctor probably agree that's not healthy. However, your body and your brain don't care. They don't want to change. We do not like change. Human does not like change. And so even if your status is ill health, it's really hard to bring change into your life. This is why there's a multi-billion dollar industry all about self-development and self-help because it's so hard to create change in our lives. So if you are taking action to better yourself, to bring about change in any way in your life, you need to be armed with all of the help and the resources you can. And that means your brain needs to be a yes on all fronts. And so if there's an aspect in your life where, you know, you don't really want to say yes to that thing, but you do anyway, that really causes a disruption in your brain. Because your brain is like, wait a minute, you don't really want to do this. Why are you saying yes? Okay, you said yes, we're going along with it. But that's confusing. And so even though, let's say you're, you're trying to lose 30 pounds and improve your health, 
but at work, you're saying yes to things that you really want to say no to, and you have the choice to say no, okay? Even though those two things seem unrelated, it's still the same brain that we're working with. And your brain really does get disrupted if you're saying yes over there, and it's not syncing up with the efforts over here. And so the more you can just get really crystal clear on saying no in your life in a variety of ways, when no is what's best for you, it frees up so much more space for you to be productive in the areas where you're trying to bring about change. And once overcoming that and gaining the confidence to say no, how do you overcome fear or mental blocks or really comparisons that women feel, especially looking on social media nowadays? By nature and society, Humans need community and we need other people in our life. Social media and everything on the computers and the cell phones, it's allowing us this sort of convoluted notion of community. And what we're seeing is we're seeing the best part of everybody's life. We're seeing all the positive things, all the smiles, all the pretty pictures, and that's really confusing. And I think the like comparison, it's just so in our nature to compare. You know, even if you want the best for the people that you know in your world, if you're comparing yourself to everyone else's progress, that's very taxing on your own internal assessment of your own progress. And comparison is just, I mean, it's a killer. I know for me, there are days where I really got to get off social media because I find myself comparing myself to others and it's crazy making and it's just not productive for anybody. Sometimes I take social media breaks and it was hard, but I just shut off the notifications and I find that that gives me at least a few hours. You've been in the industry for decades and now that online coaching is so prevalent, it's not easy to know who to trust. Do you have any advice on that? Uh, As a consumer or as a business person? Like what angle? I think as a business person. Transparency is really important. I made the shift where my business was 100% in person to now my business is about 90% online virtual. And I decided that the only way I was going to kind of navigate through those waters, because there's so much competition online, is to really bring as much of a personalized approach and personalization as I can to all of my online interactions. So for example, if someone emails me and has a question or just wants to connect, I try really hard to get personal with people in the sense that I really try to develop real relationships. Now, it can be a problem because it's very taxing and... I'm kind of running out of bandwidth, keeping an eye on all of the people in my community. And I try really hard to legitimately know everyone in my community and remember their story and follow their challenges and understand why they are in my community. And did they have an injury? Are they coming back from having a baby? I think the more that you can really be super personal and really truly engaged with the people in your community, that really helps to improve your life as an online business. Because I I get so many stories of just like impersonal interactions with people buying things online. And and that's just like the, the quickest way to lose a customer or to lose a relationship is if it feels impersonal. I try really hard to make it personal. And you know, there's, there's only, there's only so much of that you can do, but I try my best. 
Absolutely. I know there are so many people that just have one program and they just email to everyone. And I know that your success, I'm sure, came from the way that you start with getting to the bottom of where everyone's even at. Not everyone's the same. So yeah, I do want to ask you about supplementation. A lot of people think, oh, you have to take a whole stack and three protein shakes a day. What are your thoughts on supplements? I think supplements are fantastic to supplement. The problem is when people are grabbing them too proactively. They really are meant to supplement the holes in your current nutrition. And so I always want people to do everything food first. Let's get your diet as like impressive as possible. And then if you're having trouble with energy, we can supplement. And then if you're having trouble with, you know, recovery from workouts, then we supplement. But I would always, always want people to choose a food instead of a protein shake. I would always rather have people eat some fruit then take vitamin C supplements. But if you're doing all of that and you're still having some challenges or holes, that's when we supplement. I think my personal story is a great example of this. Obviously, I've been very committed to my fitness my entire life. In my 30s, I started to get more serious about strength training, but I was very haphazard. I never made progress. I probably was the highest body fat in my 30s that I've been in my whole life. And I was chronically exhausted and sore and I couldn't put muscle on to save my life. Then as I was approaching 40, I was really committed to changing that story and I got very serious about my strength training. But still, I wasn't putting on muscle. I was always exhausted in my workouts. I was always sore. And that was despite having a really good diet. So that's when I started to incorporate typical sports supplements like creatine, beta alanine, L-glutamine, tyrosine, carnitine. I really started to explore sports supplements and carnitine and glutamine changed my life because there were real holes in my system. And for whatever reason, my musculature needed the assistance in creating the energy that you get when you take creatine. And so I think, you know, whenever people come to me, I always like max out what they can do with food. And then if they're like, God, I'm just so sore all the time. Well, then we start to experiment. Okay. Is there something in your diet causing it? If not, are you sleeping enough? If not, you know, we go through all the natural remedies. And then if we just get down to, oh, it's just not working, then we got to look at supplementation, which is, you know, a big part of my business is virtual one-on-one -on -one coaching. I take on anywhere from two to four private clients each month that I coach. This is where I'm able to really get in and ask all those questions and really troubleshoot. And when I do it right, you know, maybe about 20% of my clients need sports supplements, but the 20% that need it really needed it. And it's game changing. I was not able to put muscle on until I started supplements, but that's just my story. Other people, you know, a woman on my team by the name of Cindy, she puts muscle on a piece of cake and she doesn't ever take sports supplements. She's able to do it through food. That's just all dependent on your genetics and your metabolism and to some degree your height and your diet and all kinds of factors. So we shouldn't rely on them. It just depends on your whole story. As you said, genetics. Okay. So you mentioned you have online services. If someone wants to work with you, should we go to your website or where can we find you? So my website is hollyperkins.com and there is a tab for coaching. 
so you can learn more. And you can also just send me an email, holly at hollyperkins.com. I do screen the people that I work with. Like I said, I select anywhere from two to four clients each month. And if it's such that you're not right for my private coaching, I also have less specialized programs that I'm able to put people into. So a lot of times what I'll do is I do an online assessment. If you pass my online assessment, I will then hop on the phone with you. If you pass my phone interview, you become a private coaching client. But even on that phone interview, I'm also gauging if you're not right as a private client, then I can also see if one of my other programs is appropriate. And so I've got other virtual coaching programs that are really incredibly transformational and helpful for the majority of people where you know, one-on-one coaching isn't an option. And so, yeah, the best way to find all of that's through my website, hollyperkins.com. I like that you have a lot of variety there. So everyone has different needs and, and even in their own head, they're in a different space. So you want them to succeed and set them up for success. Yeah. Now, as far as motivation and self-motivation, do you ever feel like you're not disciplined? How do you stay motivated and disciplined in your fitness? The truth is, once you start to see the benefits of it, it's self-intrinsic motivation. So there's A, there's that. I, I see the immediate benefits when I stay on track. Um, and to get a bit more personal for a moment, I have a pretty extensive history of not feeling well. And that runs the gamut from pretty substantial depression to anxiety to just not feeling well. And really what it has come around to for me personally is I do not feel well if I don't exercise. And also my life is so much better when I am on my nutrition and on my workouts like a professional. And so I just see like my life suffers if I'm not on it. And that is what keeps me motivated. And so I think for other people who don't have the long history of it, like I do, the key is this, and this is really a piece of gold. If you do struggle with the motivation and staying on track, is it possible that it's because you're not getting the results that you expect? Because nothing is going to kill your motivation faster than if you're not getting results. If you're going out there and you're taking action and you're spending your heart and soul and your time and your energy and your money and you're not getting any payoff, I wouldn't stay motivated either. And so if you are taking action but not getting results, I strongly encourage you to troubleshoot and figure out why are you not getting results? Is it because your program isn't well designed? Is it because you're haphazard? Is it because you need to hire a coach? Is it because you need someone else to design an intelligent system for you? Because the truth is, if you've got an intelligent program and you're taking consistent action 80% of the time, you really should be getting some results. But if you're not getting results, that's probably the lack of motivation, right? Because if you start getting awesome results and you're feeling better and you're feeling more energized and you're seeing muscle and you're losing weight, if that's your goal, you're probably going to be inclined to stay the course. I'm glad that you shared that. You sometimes don't feel well. For anyone who can relate to that or not, going to the gym, you know, you come out just feeling good. You don't really ever regret a workout unless you do get upset that you don't see the results. So that could just be that you've adapted and like you said, need a new regimen. But I'm glad that that's something that helped you. Do you read any personal development books or what else have you found that helps you? In the vein of personal development? Yeah. 
Oh boy. I, yes, I do a lot. Um, I do a lot of research and study and time into personal development. And that's because I know for me, the next chapter in my life really relies on me developing myself. And so um, Tony Robbins very substantially changed my life. And from that, I really started exploring a variety of avenues in personal development. Currently, I am in the second year of an advanced level program in spiritual psychology at a you know world-renowned university here in Los Angeles. And currently I'm knee deep in a ton of personal development because you know it really is the key to unlocking so much in our life. There's a lot you can accomplish just through exercise and eating well, but then there's a whole other aspect to why we are the way that we are. The more I really believe, the more we can be introspective and come to understand ourselves and approve upon ourselves, everything else in life just gets better. Yes, I completely agree with that, but I never heard of the term spiritual psychology. How did you find out about that program? It is a lesser known concept, and there is a university here in Los Angeles that has a program that, like I said, is world-renowned. It's called the University of Santa Monica, and they have a two-year program in spiritual psychology as well as a variety of other programs. It used to be a fully accredited program, and so if you completed the two years, you would have a master's degree in psychology. So it's psychology-based, traditional psychology, and then it also has an additional layer of spirituality. And so it really is the conversation of, is there a higher power source in the universe? And if so, why are we here? And what is the point of this life? And what is my purpose in life on a spiritual level? And it really just kind of, for me, it filled in a lot of the holes in life in terms of why do some of us really have to struggle? Why do we struggle? And making sense of the struggle was really important to me. For me, the only way to do that was a spiritual conversation. I'm sure that ties in a lot with your business and what you do. It does. Yeah. Yeah, very much so because it really helps me to help other people who are struggling on a personal level. Sometimes I can just, I have a lot of clients where if they just follow my fitness and nutrition plan, they're going to get awesome results. But some people, I need to work on their mindset. I need to work on their psychology. I need to work on their internal dialogue that they're having with themselves. And so it really is super, super helpful for me as a coach to have these skills. That's amazing to me because I feel like you have multiple jobs in one. So many different hats you wear. It is true. I currently wear too many. (laughs) I always ask my guests, do you have a morning routine? Is that something that's a vital part of your day? Yeah, it's a critical part of my day. Yes, and I have a variety of routines in the morning, depending on the mood and the day. But generally, the best days, my favorite days are I wake up at 6 a.m., I take my puppy out to go to the bathroom real quick. I make a cup of green tea. I do not look at my cell phone and I sit down and I have a morning meditation and prayer that I do. And so it is a very specific process that I go through to kind of get my head on straight for the day. And that process can take a couple different forms, but if I don't stick to that process these days, my days can be kind of sloppy. And it's the thing that really does kind of get my head on straight in terms of just kind of being able to handle life. You know, I, the past couple of years have been very challenging for me in terms of handling life. And um, I, I really find that I'm very dependent on these kinds of practices to be able to just get through the day, you know? And so, yeah. And the days that I don't have that morning routine, I try to catch up with it later in the day. 
I feel like I can relate a little bit to that because two things for me, this is just my, my personal preference, but the gym can completely alter my mood and my morning routine. Yes. Well, thank you for spreading the very important word of health. I have one more question. How do you look like a Victoria's Secret model? I know you train models. You might get that question and it's too broad to really answer, but, but how would you answer that? So is the question if someone wants to look like a Victoria's Secret model? Yes. I'm sure there's not just one straight answer. No, there's not. And that is the crux of my coaching is that it all really depends on who you are. And here's what I would say. If someone comes to me and they said, I want to look like a Victoria's Secret model, I would say, why? Tell me the reasons. Why? Right? And I would really encourage them to do some introspection and say, what is really legitimately important to you in your life? Because what you look like I know that seems like a motivator, but it's really not all that important. I want to hear, what do you want to feel like? How do you want to move about your day? How do you want your energy to be? How do you want those things to be? Because the truth is, if you want to look like a Victoria's Secret, just get skinny, you know, starve yourself and get skinny. And I'm not saying that the Victoria's Secret models starve themselves, but they are freaks of nature. I've worked with models. I know their bodies. I've worked with so many different bodies in the past 24 years, and I will tell you, they are freaks of nature and they are models because they were born into that vehicle that they were born into. And they have the genetics that give them the long legs and the leanness and all of that. And so if you don't already look like one, I would encourage you to just really look in the mirror and just invite you to become the best version of you and let's make your body the best your body and rather than you know going after looking like a model you know yeah just own who you are and be the best version of yourself yeah and celebrate the body that you got because there's only one you i heard a statistic recently that blew my mind i forget what it is but it was like i don't know how many humans there are on the earth i feel like it was 400 billion correct me if i'm wrong i don't know the statistic guys but it was something like you have a 1 in 400 billion chance of being born you why do you want to be somebody else right yeah. Think about that. I like that. If there are 400 billion humans on earth, I don't know if that's the right number. I got to look it up, right? Maybe it's 40 billion. I don't know. We're going to do it real quick together. People on earth. Hold on. Oh, wait. Okay. 7.6 billion people as of May 2018. So 7.6 billion people are born each year. So each year you had a chance of one in 7.6 billion odds of being born, <laughs> right? You are you. You are unique and you are special and you are amazing. So be you and don't try to be somebody else. So all the time we spend comparing, we could be putting positive energy into how we're improving and reflecting on our day instead of just looking at other people. Mm -hmm, totally. Now, what kind of dog do you have? Because I'm also a dog lover and you mentioned your puppy. Uh, Australian Shepherd. Uh, He's the best. How much does he weigh? Is he like medium size? He's 45 pounds right now. Oh, okay. He's only eight months old. And so he'll probably gain another five pounds. Aww, they need a lot of exercise, right? Yeah, usually they do. Somehow I got the mellowest Aussie ever created. So he's not super high energy, but normally Aussies are, yeah. Aww, well that fits in with your lifestyle though. <laughs> yes, completely. Well, I heard you say that we cultivate strength and it couldn't be more true. So thank you for your time, Holly. It was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm so happy to have you as part of our posse and would love 
for you to comment with what topics you'd like to hear about next. You can find out more at myempowerproject.com. Tap that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the exciting guests and enlightenment to come. Have a fabulous day.